This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast is back. Samantha Borer, Colin Lochran here with me. I'm Chris Hennessy. Folks, how are we doing? Doing okay. It's a very rainy day outside today, but at least this time I wore a raincoat. So we're doing better than we were back in September or whenever um, the hurricane was, at least. <laughs> yes, yeah. that, that was it's Tuesday as well. So oh, yeah. Tuesday to everybody, 2-2-22. Very exciting, Colin. Yeah, definitely a day for the Ducks out there. A lot of <laughs> rain going around, but definitely excited to talk some hockey with both of you, as always. Yeah, we have some stuff to get to with the locals. We'll start with the only one playing tonight in the New York Islanders. They are in Seattle, uh, and they have lost their last couple games. They lost to Buffalo, which we talked about. Then they lost. They beat the Bruins, which I thought maybe could have started, a, you know, something. What What is this season, if anything? But we'll start something. Um, and it didn't. They lost to Montreal. And then the Bruins went out and beat Colorado. So uh, the season is now over. I believe it's 18 points. I'm going to look right now. I believe it's 18 points. I said last week that I – or 19 now, excuse me, so 43 to 62. I said that after the games on March 1st, which the Islanders play Colorado, they needed to be – at that point I said 10. You could argue 12 points would be okay. They'd have four games in hand with two months to go. Uh, so five or six games back, you might be able to pull something together. Now that, even getting to there, is almost mathematically impossible. I'm ready to declare the season over, uh, but I will still give them all my free time tonight, of course. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. I also think this season is donezo. I mean, we've kind of been saying that since day one, though, which maybe I didn't give them as fair of a shot as I should have. Um, considering how they have surprisingly won some games. I mean, I interviewed you, Chris, and Tyler for, um, and also called, but uh, for the TV station, for Fordham Student TV, and we were talking about this game against the Bruins, about how it was such an important match, just kind of like a foreshadowing for the rest of their season, slash if they were to somehow swing this crazy win streak, make it into the playoffs, that's who they'd have to go against. If they could play like they did the other night, then, I mean, they got some good things coming, but I don't... I don't see it happening. I think the rest of the season is honestly just practice against professional teams. I think it's just practice, and I think it's just waiting for the draft to see what they can do. Chris, I'll say this much to you. Beating the Bruins is not an accomplishment this season. But this is my point. Like you, I know you, <laughs> and we talk about hockey quite often, like at least once a week, if not twice a week, and you're so down on your favorite team, and I'm always down <laughs> on my favorite team, even when they're playing Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm not, I'm not getting on you for that. But the Bruins, as I fix my mask, excuse me, as we're back in studio, so you get reused to that Ooh. noise. Um, the Bruins have the opportunity to fall apart, right? They're old. Brad Marchand's coming <laughs> off his suspension now. Boo. <laughs> um, <laughs> their goaltending situation, I think, is less than fantastic. Although I think Jeremy Swayman is fine, it's less than fantastic. The, their defense is not good outside of McAvoy and like the occasional offensive game from Grizzly. I, I see a way that Boston falls apart here, and oh, they end with less than. Uh, what are they at right now? They're at sixty-two and fifty, so a six twenty points percentage. I think that they'll end with like a sub five ninety points percentage, hmm. which would be times five nine. It would be about ninety six, ninety seven points. I could see them ending with ninety five points. And right now, ninety five points isn't really an achievable number for the Islanders because they just lost to freaking Montreal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If the Islanders had kept pace, 
there's no doubt in my mind that Boston falls apart, in which case they would have been rightly positioned for that, that second wildcard slot. And even earlier in the season, I had said that Toronto was someone to watch too, to maybe fall apart. I'm not very high on them, quite honestly. History has a tendency of repeating itself, and Toronto <laughs> seems like the type of franchise that also could just Not until the spring, though. Right, no. well. Ground's maybe, still frozen. You know, maybe the <laughs> groundhog might have seen a shadow or something, get it a little bit early. But True. regardless for the Islanders here, they're just not a good team right now. And your bottom 10 in scoring chances, the analytics don't lie. Sorokin was carrying the team for a little bit there. He's had a, a great year, in my estimation, given how poorly everyone else has been around him. And I think when you look at a lot of what they dealt with early in the season, it really set the tone for what's continued to happen throughout the course. I mean, obviously, the however many was it straight away games to begin the 13. year did not help. 13, mm-hmm. there you go, thank you. That did not help them. Obviously, losing people to COVID protocol did not help them at all. And, you know, I'll say it again. When you don't have a good power play, it's not going to help you either. I know they've had some success in the past being poor on the power play. I'm still a believer in the fact that when you get those opportunities, you have to convert, especially when you're a team that's fighting from behind like the Islanders are and have been since what feels like day one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they are out of it at this point. I would have thought they would have put up a better fight quite honestly, given that I have so much respect for Trotz and think he's done a good job in the past. But you're right, man. At this point, the season is over, and they are officially in shopping-slash-asset-collecting mode. Yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, something we've talked about with the Islanders is their ability to beat bad teams, right? That's something we talk about. They beat the bad teams, but they lose to these good teams. They went on that stretch where they won a bunch of games in a row coming out of New Year's, excuse me, but they lost to Washington and Toronto in that stretch. They won... I think it was, they won like 7 out of 9, their only two losses were against Washington and Toronto. It's like, well, this is great, but you need to beat those teams. Well, and like, sometimes they don't even beat the bad teams. I mean, right. they got this their, their tails handed to them by the Sabres. This is where I'm going. Now they've lost to Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, Buffalo, Montreal, and then they have Seattle again tonight. Oh. That's one, two, three. Well, Edmonton, is Edmonton in the playoffs? We'll count them as a bad team. Three, sure. four, it's five non-playoff teams that they've lost to since the beginning of February. They've beaten Ottawa, and they've beaten Boston. Those are the only two wins they have in February, and then they have the one point for the shootout loss against Montreal. Mm-hmm. They need to win every game they have left in February, obviously. Seattle, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim all on the road, and then they have Colorado on the road to finish up the Western Conference stretch the evening of March 1st. Uh, it's yeah, You're shaking your head. I know. It's not going to happen, no. Sam. I know. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, I just I just can't help but laugh because, I mean, that's a tough way to, like, finish out this little tail end, though, as well. Like, they don't have an easy schedule. Some teams have some very easy schedules for this back half of the season. They don't. I'll say that. These are good teams they're facing, especially, like, I mean, Colorado obviously lost to the Bruins. We know I'm partial to Colorado because my home team, but they're a great team undeniably this season. And, like, I think – if you can manage to beat them there, maybe that bodes well for the rest of the season. It says keep this core what it is and just add. But otherwise, I mean, we've talked about restructuring the integrity of the Islanders. And I think that if they finish this season without at least another, gosh, I don't know, like seven to ten wins, which we'll see. I think that you're going to have to tear some things down and just build from the ground up. I don't think they're going to do that. Because I just don't think they can. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week. Nobody's trading for Kyle Palmieri or Josh Bailey. No. You could, might be able to get something for Brock Nelson, but do you want to trade Brock Nelson at 31 years old? J.G. Pajot, I, I don't really want to part with. Obviously, Bovillier just signed. 
I don't want to trade these guys because these are the guys who just brought the Islanders to two straight conference finals. And I do think that next year, with the right the right secondary pieces, clearly Zidane Ochara was not the right secondary piece. I think Zach Parise <laughs> has worked out very well, I actually. I think Zach Parise has played very well. Ross Johnson's a fine offensive player. Oliver Walsh has had a good year. Kiefer Bellows has looked good. Uh, Andy Green is terrible. Sebastian Ajo is not good. <laughs> if you add in a good, a solid third pair, a couple, a couple more depth pieces on forward, because you're probably going to lose Cal Clutterbuck, then you know what? I could see this team going back, especially with a normal schedule and Ilya Sorokin in net for 65 games next year. But right now, that's not that's not happening. That's not how this that's not how this season is going and it's uh it's pretty much over uh, as they head out west and yeah i mean i'm not you know obviously the last two years three years have been absolutely incredible um and happy to be doing this during that stretch the great three great best three years of islander hockey in my life uh sucks to end it on this but also it sucks to have the season be over in february mm-hmm. which has not happened for the islanders in a long long time gone yeah and chris i'll say this much after last season, I did not think this what this is what this year would be. And to your point, getting that extra pairing could really help them because there's times when you watch Zidane Ochara and Sebastian Ajo in the ice and you just wonder if there's any way that those guys will ever be a part of a playoff roster again. I mean, neither of them have been doing what I thought they would do for the Isles. Well, Sebastian Ajo's been terrible since... Right, absolutely. Lesser he got here. Sebastian Ajo in the National Hockey League. Significantly lesser Sebastian Ajo. He was like second fiddle to Devontae's and Bridgeport. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's second fiddle to Devontae's. You could that to say True. the least. Continues. Yeah, exactly. Whew. But, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, Colin. They, they stink. Uh, so they're in Seattle tonight. Uh, the next games for Kyle, Tyler and I aren't for a while. They're, like, March. They're in fifth and something like that. Um, but, yeah, so not great stuff out of the Islanders. It's just been a tough season as that continues. Look for them to sell at the deadline. According to Cap Friendly, they have $13.9 million in deadline cap space, so they could do that laundering situation. We saw, I think, San Jose and Detroit did it last year where they take uh, 50% of, or it would end up being 25% of their full salary um, of a player who's on an expiring deal. Uh, you saw that with David Savard last year, uh, for sure, as he went to Tampa and, and get a mid-round pick back for that. I wouldn't hate seeing them do that, and I think some guys are going to get traded, as we mentioned. But that's a conversation for another day as we move to Madison Square Garden, the New York Rangers. They have won their last two games, the only two since our last – or excuse me, they have points in their last two games. They lost to Detroit in the shootout. Ryan Strom misses the open net, which was a wild scene. Oh uh, and then they beat Ottawa. Igor Shesterkin almost had a goalie goal, which would have been very cool. Uh, and they play Washington on Thursday. This is the first game since the opening game that they've played against Washington and only the second game since the Tom Wilson situation back in April of last year. Um, Colin, I, I I feel like things, you know, we just keep, we keep saying that things are trending up. Things are looking good, and Igor Shesterkin continues to be the reason this team wins games. I, I think they need to get five-on-five scoring up, whether that's in-house or at the trade deadline, they need to increase 
their their uh, effectiveness at five on five sp- uh, specifically. They are fantastic on the power play when you put those five guys out on the ice at the same time. It's usually what Zibanejad, Panarin, which Zibanejad, Panarin, Fox with any two slums will get a lot of goals. <laughs> um, and their goalie is fantastic, and their penalty kill has been very good. Their five on five scoring, I think, needs to go up. That's why I think Tomas Hurdle should be a Ranger. Uh, if it was me, I'd be going all in. But I- I'm curious your thoughts. I know you haven't been with us in a couple of weeks here, and and you're you're have your ear to the ground there, like. I think that they should go all in. You don't get a Vesna type year out of your goalie every year, even when he's this good. I would be hesitant to go all in this year because of how young they are, core-wise. I mean, you're right. Shesterkin has been unbelievable. I've raved on and on about him on, on this podcast and other venues here at FUV. I mean, the team is first in save percentage for a reason. That is Igor Shesterkin. I just wonder, looking at this team and the recent games they played, the one against Detroit, kind of a clunker, even the game against Boston kind of took them a while to get going, which was a little concerning to see. I just wonder if you're better served to wait it out instead of giving up everything to try and get one guy that's going to help you maybe sneak into it. Like, they're a good team. I'm not doubting that. I think the game against Washington's really going to be telltale because that's the Rangers' bully. Game one of the year, they went out there, they got spanked by the Capitals. Gorgiev played horribly mm-hmm. opening night. If you go out there and you beat Washington... And I, I'm not just saying you beat them barely. I'm saying you beat them by a nice little gap there, 4-1, to 4-2, to two, something along those lines, convincingly. Then I'd say you have something to think about in, in terms of maybe getting a hurdle, someone like that that can help you score. But I don't know what I would be comfortable giving up necessarily to get that guy. As the year has gone on, I have really come to think Gorgiev might have a place next to Shesterkin, if not only just because if Igor goes down. We, we know he had injury early in the year. If he goes down, do you really want Huska being one of your starting goalies in that tandem? It I wouldn't know, be Huska, though. It would be Fleury, Fleury or Corpusallo or it wouldn't be Varlamov. But <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think Georgiev's earned it. But the point the point of me saying earlier in the year is he, it wasn't going to be Georgiev. They were going to go out and get somebody. They are going to go out and make that move. I don't think that's their number one need anymore. And I think it's five-on-five five scoring. And for, you know, if, if you listen to the podcast back that the Robin Leonard year, I was banging the drum saying the same thing about the Islanders. Then they ended up doing nothing at the deadline and it killed them. They didn't get Mark Stone that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to Ottawa and, you know, maybe that's good. Or he went to Vegas. Maybe mm-hmm. that's good because they would have had to give up Dobson and probably Bovillier. But I was banging the drum because you don't get a Vezina year every year. You know this as a Colorado Avalanche fan. You're not getting a Vezina yeah. this year after you got it last year. You don't get one every year. I think you have to go for it. I really do. I think you ha- uh, see. I want to say you have to because I'm kind of saying like this feels like the time to go for it with him. But like we've talked about over and over, like Shesterkin is the reason this team is what it is. I have a fear as I guess a secondary Rangers fan. If he goes down, can Gorgiev carry them through the playoffs in the way they need? Plus, there's all these rumors swirling about him being traded right now. I know that with Leonard out, um, Vegas is looking at him. Others are looking at him too. People want him. He's he's good. He's earned the spot on the team, but is he going to keep it is the question. I, oh gosh, I don't know. I think it's going to be really hard for them approaching the trade deadline because similarly to Colin, I don't know what I'd be comfortable giving up. I think that if they were to trade it for anyone, obviously I think it would be a forward. It'd be a high scorer, someone who can do that five on five that they're looking for. I know we were talking before about the whole Cal Clutterbuck uh, <laughs> silly little rumor online that I don't think would ever, I think pigs oh, will wow. fly. Before that will happen, uh, before he will become a Ranger. But 
I don't know. I'm feeling very conflicted about this whole situation. I love Igor. I think that this team has some great things coming, but is this the year for them? Is this where it's going to be that Vesna year? I don't know. But yeah, you don't get it every year. I mean, we saw that with Varley in Colorado where he was fantastic and then he was not very quickly. And now we see him in Long Island not really being great and who's probably about to get traded too. So I don't know. I just really don't like, like Chris, you're completely right. The five on five numbers are not good for this team in terms of the high danger opportunities. They're well in the middle of the pack. It's mm-hmm. not even close up or down. They're kind of just sandwiched right in amongst a bunch of uh, mediocre teams. But Again, I think we're hitting all the points. That kind of goes on the shoulders of your starters then to improve the five-on-five numbers, the guys that you do have. Because those top two lines, I think anyone is comfortable putting out on a playoff roster, especially once Catco comes back. Mm-hmm. To me, that is going to be your addition that you will get back at some point because I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. And I think the more time he gets with Kreider and Zavadija, the better he'll get as the year goes on. I don't really love Lafreniere in the first line as he is right now. I would much rather see someone like Goudreau there, quite honestly, because earlier in the year, Gallant loved putting him in because he was a a sort of spark plug. I would much prefer Lafreniere's second line or third line and then hopefully get Goudreau up there to kind of get some of that rhythm in five-on-five situations. I don't think they're going to do that because everyone's under the assumption Lafreniere is going to grow into this great star, and he might, but if you're trying to win right now, I really don't think that's the recipe. I think we may have a better shot with Goudreau up there. So you mentioned the Cal Clutterbuck uh, rumor, you called it. Uh, Larry Brooks of the New York Post was the one who uh, who wrote this, and he makes good points, and he kind of admits that an Islander is not going to get traded to the Rangers. Uh, yeah, he says, I recognize that I'm certainly taking you on a stroll through fantasy land here. Louis Lamorello never made one trade with the Rangers in his 28 years as general manager of the Devils. He has not pulled off one. Uh, he has not pulled one off with the blue shirts in his four years running the aisles. To suggest he would send a missing piece across the East River is probably Looney Tunes. That, yeah, I agree. I think I do think Cal Clutterbuck is getting a trade. I don't think it's going to be the Rangers, but I don't hate that as like an idea. His his main point is this third line needs more identity and less Greg McKeg, which I have agreed with for the longest time on uh, with the, the general makeup of this this Ranger team and Morgan Barron seems to be maybe trying to fill that role, but he's not really earning it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think that they will make a trade. They'll make, maybe make multiple trades. They have two extra picks. They have the second round pick from the Buchnevich trade and the fourth round pick from what trade is this? Uh, Oh, the Kevin Hayes, Brandon Lemieux trade. They ended up with a fourth round pick from that somehow uh, in 2022 and they're missing a third. So, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end, they have four mid round picks there. I think that they could definitely shop some of those out and, Chris Jury has been a very busy man in his short time. He's hired a coach. He's uh, he signed a goalie to a contract extension. He signed uh, Mika Zibanejad to a contract extension. He signed Adam Fox to a contract extension. And now he's part of a huge deadline for this Ranger team where it's really a question of what they are going to do. I've heard, you know, I don't think that they can trade any for anybody with significant term, uh, like a Mark Shifley or a JT Miller, just because uh, it won't work with the money. But We'll see. We'll see how it goes, and that is obviously a conversation for next month uh, and the March 21st trade deadline a month from yesterday, so that's mm. very exciting. Uh, the New Jersey Devils haven't played in like a year and a half. <laughs> um, it's been a hot minute. Dougie Hamilton's coming back. Uh, other than that, New York, New Jersey Devils, Savant, Sambor, uh, do you have anything else for us? 
I mean, not much. That's kind of the big thing is that um, Dougie Hamilton will be back. He hasn't played since January 2nd after he took a nice puck to the jaw. Got yeah, that, that was thing ugly. shattered. It was very ugly. He's back with a new protective helmet, which is super exciting. He looks awesome rocking that thing. <laughs> um, he's been cleared, which is great. He's been practicing. He's expected to play in their next game um, in Pittsburgh which is super exciting. He was paired with um, Siegenthaler in practice because they were saying that they want to give him that confidence, give him someone who has that experience, will have his back. So I think that that's super exciting. I'm ready to see him back. Other than that, I don't have many thoughts that I haven't said before on this podcast that it's kind of a sad year for them, but they're doing their best, except I want to talk real fast. Luke Hughes, the pride of Michigan hockey. Oh, that's right. He's I a sick goal. I cannot wait for him to come to the Devils team. I think the minute him and Jack are on the ice together, they will be one of the best pairs on the ice in the entirety of the NHL. I think it's going to be sick. He's got 16 goals as a freshman, as a Michigan Wolverine. He's a defenseman, too. He's, yep. He broke a 45 year old record for most goals scored by a freshman defenseman or just by a defenseman. I don't remember, but he has broken this 45 year old record with scoring 14 goals. And then two days later, he surpassed it again. And now he's at 16. So I think he's just a superstar. He's a freshman. Like he's he's, he's, he's so insane. Good. He's so good. I mean, I would love to see all three Hughes brothers on the same team just for like a day, for one day. But I don't know. I think he's going to be a superstar. I can't wait for him to come to Jersey eventually, whether that's next season, whether that's after he graduates. I don't know. I'm pumped, though. I think he's a killer, just like his brother. Both think, of them. I think the fun part is they're uh, forward and defenseman, so it'll be like a coincidence when they end up. But they're like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> um, I don't think it'll be next season. I could see it being the season after that, sure. though. Uh, number four overall pick, obviously. One other college hockey thing I wanted to mention as you brought it up, so might as well stay on it. Huge night for my home state tonight, Quinnipiac-Yale. Quinnipiac, number mm. two team in the country. That's at hand. That's uh, at the People's United Center at hand in the home of the Quinnipiac Bobcats. So um, just wanted to mention that. Do you have any college hockey bits, Colin? Yeah, just uh, Beanpot was a couple. Oh, weeks. the Beanpot was a couple. Oh, that was an win. awesome game. BU with the win. That was an God awesome game. Go Terriers. Yes. Go Terriers. <laughs> oh, you're a Terriers guy? Absolutely. Um, the that, NHL feeder college. <laughs> that was an awesome game between um, Northeastern and BU in that, that final. It was nothing, nothing forever. BU was dominating, and they got a two-on-one. Their fourth line. That was that was really good game. That's a good point. Um, so that's our college hockey minute. <laughs> <laughs> what fun. So let's move up to Canada, uh, where there's two teams trending in the right direction, and one of them uh, happens to play in Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens have won two consecutive games, which they hadn't done all year. Um, yeah, go team. Uh, one of them was against the Islanders, as we mentioned. The other one was the other night against Toronto. They're up to 11-33-7, a whopping 284 points percentage. Uh, and Martin St. Louis seems to be getting the best out of other small guy, Cole Caulfield, which was kind of a joke uh, when he got hired. But, like, Cole Caulfield has eight points in his last six games. Um, and, yeah, he's, like, good. Oh, they've won three straight games. Excuse mm-hmm. me. They beat they St. beat St. Louis as well in overtime. Yes, my apologies. And Caulfield scored the uh, the overtime goal. So it's three straight games. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, appears to be working. Which, as we talked about, uh, defeats the entire purpose of this season for the Montreal Canadiens. Why would you want this to work? You'd want to lose. But, you know what? I, maybe it's not the end of the world because they're they're not going to do well um, <laughs> in any stretch because they're bad. Um, but you kind of proving Cole Caulfield doesn't a bust. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone was a little bit sad when it was like all this hype around this man and then sad. But... He's kind of on the upswing. He's doing great. I'm sure it's instilling a lot of confidence in him, too, which is nice. Like, that's so key for these players, seeing them crack. 
obviously affects them a lot. It's it's an injury. It really is. It's a mental game as well as it is a physical one. Seeing him back is really exciting, and seeing them have a competent coach is so nice. I think Martana's doing a great job in what he's done so far. I mean, he's going to have more wins under his belt with this team than they did in the first, like, 49 games of the season, so I think that's exciting in and of itself. I don't know. I guess, like, I because they're not a team that I'm necessarily uh, taking seriously for the offseason, I'm kind of like, you know what? Good for the Canadians. Good for Montreal. The fact that they beat Toronto is wild to my brain. But you know what? Anything can happen in hockey. I must say, Chris, you know this. Sam, you probably know this as well. I'm a big Cole Caulfield fan, a big <laughs> of apologist. Course. Always. Earlier in the year, he was my pick to win that rookie award. Ah. Uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. Mm. But really, him and Anderson coming together has been nice to see. And getting that, an actual coach... An actual coach. I'm going to go there. An actual coach in St. Louis is only going to help them continue to grow and develop. I don't know what that means in terms of the future for them. I definitely think this is another piece. Sherratt's out the door. Yeah, he's definitely. Done. Yeah, But, I mean, they're done for this year. They're a nice story now, just as they were last year. I always saw them as kind of a nice story. Like, I, there was no part of me that felt they would be lightning in that final, but they were fun to watch. And I think, if anything, this does validate Cole Caulfield and that he's not a one-hit wonder. And it's definitely a piece that Montreal is going to want to keep for a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. Ben Sherratt's out the door pending UFA. Mm-hmm. Maybe Brett Kulak pending UFA. Arteri Lekkinen, RFA. Paul Byron has one more year of control. Like They're, they're going to fire sale, and they should. And they have three first-round picks. They have three third-round picks. Jeez. They have a ton of draft picks. They're going to fire sale. But you know, it, maybe that's going to help, them, although Arizona's already starting to sell people off. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a big-time tank-off post-trade deadline between those two teams because neither one of them wants to win. Uh, but as we mentioned, thankfully, there's two guys who are pretty good at the top of this draft uh, in Shane Wright and Luke and Cooley. Uh, yeah, the, that's the Canadians as they start to win a couple games. And the team that they were we talked about last week in relation to the Canadians was the Calgary Flames. They've won 10 straight games now. Tyler Toffoli making an impact already. Uh, they look really good, and... You mentioned the Robin Leonard injury earlier, and I think these two kind of connect, obviously, because they're in the same division, Calgary and Vegas are. And the the division at the beginning of the year we talked about was Vegas won, everybody else after that. Probably Edmonton, too. Maybe Seattle can make a push, which looks so silly now. Uh, we thought I personally thought Calgary was going to be no good, um, and I certainly didn't believe in L.A. and Anaheim, but that's a conversation for another day. Now Calgary is 30-13-6 and six with a 6.73 points percentage, 66 points out of 49 games. All of those numbers are above Calgary, uh, above Vegas. Like, it's not even a points percentage thing. They are well above them in points percentage. This team is legitimately very good. They have one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League, who's the only guy at this point, in my estimation, who can take away the Vesna from, uh, from Igor Shosturkin. And to me, Colin... I, they are, like, a week away from being the team to beat in the Pacific. Like, yeah, Vegas is really good, but they don't have a goalie. Absolutely. I think the Flames are for real, and the streak they've been on kind of proves that point. And I know we like to talk about Igor here. I know I do, but Jacob Markstrom has been just as good, if not better. .928 save percentage, eight shutouts, 2.06 goals against average. I mean, really, the guy has been lights out, and it's kind of went under the radar, maybe because it's Calgary. Like, I can't help but think that if it was a bigger-name franchise, it would be more noticed. But really, they've played some great hockey. Lindholm, Gaudreau, guys like this really form a good unit. 
the one thing that worries me about Calgary that I, I don't get concerned about with Vegas, they're very top-heavy in terms of the lines they choose to put out there. Like, there's guys on Vegas where you go two, three lines in, and you're like, okay, you still kind of have to be concerned. I don't necessarily get that same feeling from Calgary. I know Milan Lucic is, is not what he used to be, if not for just maybe brand-name recognition at this point. So that's the only concern I have. But if we're going on just pure chance to win the West. I like their chances because of that goaltender they have in there. And Vladar's not half bad either on a good day. No, definitely not. I mean, I, I don't have too much to add about them other than what you guys have said. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau's still good at hockey. Matthew Kachuk's <laughs> still good at hockey. Like, that's all I've got to really say there. I think that, like you said, this is a surprising one, for me at least, with Jacob Markstrom. Like you said, maybe it is because it's Calgary. Maybe that is the reason. But, like, I haven't been paying too much attention to him other than when the teams I follow – closely play but he's fantastic I mean he's really given everyone a run for their money I think this top line is so solid that for them it's going to be all about depth do they have it maybe with Lujic with people like that with Nikita Zadorov now perhaps oh god an old avalanche player I miss him um <laughs> I loved Big Z hope he's doing well um yeah I don't know I don't have too much to add there but I think they're doing incredible I mean a 10 game win streak is phenomenal we'll see if they are the team to beat come end of the season because obviously we like you said maybe it will be Vegas but Vegas doesn't have that goalie there were the whole rumors about Marc-Andre Fleury going back to Vegas well, they, um, yeah they shot that down right there's away. there's no way yeah uh-uh but that made me giggle at least to think that they'd go sorry we want you back yeah, right. <laughs> yeah after you traded him without telling him he found it on Twitter sure um but I don't know. I think that'll be a fun little showdown come the end of the regular season to see who's number one and number two seed. Definitely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Dan Vladar. He's 7-3-0 oh, and how would you say? Yeah, 7-3-1, and one, I should say. I don't know why they have ties in here. <laughs> why, why are there ties, NHL.com? They don't do ties anymore. 7-3-1, uh, which is pretty good for a backup goalie, Two five seven. You know, this is kind of the Daryl Sutter method is our goalie is really uh, Jonathan Quick. They won two Stanley Cups with this in Los Angeles. Jonathan Quick's a really good goalie but we're going to play really, really good defense in front of him and he's just going to have to be a good goalie. This is kind of the Islanders method too. It's like, yeah, Semivaldalmo's good but we're going to play such good defense in front of him you're not even going to notice that he's that good. Um, And the theory is maybe he isn't good and was a product of the defense in front of him. I don't necessarily 100% subscribe to that but uh, I could see the argument. And the thing about Calgary that's interesting is, is this their only chance? Because Gaudreau is a UFA, Kachuk's an RFA, and Manji Apani's going to get a huge pay raise after this season he's had as an RFA. They just added $4 million to the book with Tyler Toffoli. So, you know, it could be kind of a one-hit wonder type situation, and it could go on forever. I have no idea. But um, they they are a very interesting team, I think, and one to watch for in the Pacific Division where they currently have the lead, as I mentioned, in a Vegas-Edmonton series where it'd be Eichel against mm. McDavid. That's also kind of why I'm rooting for Calgary is because then we get in round one, excuse me, in round one we'd get Calgary against Nashville, which I think would be a lot of fun, Ooh. and then Vegas in, and Edmonton, which is Eichel against McDavid. Uh, and you get Colorado against L.A., which whatever, and then Minnesota and St. Louis, which I think would be fun as well, so... That's kind of also why I'm rooting for Calgary is because I think Edmonton, Vegas would be a good time. Uh, so speaking of Nashville, as I just mentioned, them, Smashville. Uh, Smashville, yes, they are hosting the stadium series today. Kind of, I feel like that's kind of a long time coming for them. They've been kind of an up-and-coming franchise since they made the Stanley Cup final, uh, up-and-coming fan base in an awesome city. That Has anybody been to Nashville? No, but I'm going this summer. 
so exciting. Colin, have you been to Nashville? Nope. I have not. I want to go to Nashville. I'm a country music fan. I want to go to Nashville very badly. Um, this, this is not what got me down there, <laughs> obviously. Um, but uh, I'm not going to the Stadium Series game, although I wish I was. Uh, it's on Saturday. I just thought we could have a little bit of fun, talk about these jerseys, which I think are terrible. Oh, uh, and, you know, kind of some ideas. We had a, we, we kind of threw this around a little bit when I saw the rumor for the Penguins Bruins uh, Winter Classic that I got very angry about, uh, which has become <laughs> true. Uh, so I figured we could do it a little bit more formally here. So we'll start with these jerseys. Uh, if you don't have it, I mean, you could just look it up. Oh, they're yeah. they're really bad. They're really bad. That's kind of the thing about them. Um, Nashville Predators, Tampa Bay Lightning is the game. And the, jer- the jerseys say Smashville on them, <laughs> which is not really a nickname I completely understand. Uh, this is I I did a uh, reverse retro ranking for the Fordham Ram. You can find that on my little thing page there, and there's multiple where I like yeah nice little plug there shameless um where I'm like I'm not afraid to admit I don't understand and I don't want to look it up too like that's kind of the thing with these things as I'm getting a spam call like I don't want to look up these I'm all over the place I'm sorry I love it all I don't want to look up why there's like a big giant like horse head on the Calgary I just I just want to know like don't like don't make me Google things. <laughs> So that's my thing against Smashville. Uh, don't really understand it. The Bolts one isn't terrible, although I I like it. Uh, I, I don't think know. it's cool. I think it, okay. I don't my know. problem something with about of... the edge, the the jaded edges, like the sharpness. I like very See, sharp. I enjoy it. Oh, I actually think it's cool. I think it's effective. I think it's like obviously goes with the name. I've seen some, in my opinion, bad Stadium Series jerseys. No offense, <laughs> aka to... all of them. Aka all of them. I'm sorry. No offense to whoever is designing these jerseys. <laughs> Peace and love. I'm sure you're amazing at your job. But some of these are bad. Like, I understand it's got to be readable from farther away, from higher up, since these are in way, way larger venues. But come on. I mean, oh, gosh, the Avalanche ones were so disappointing. I was so upset when we had the Winter Classic that that's what they looked like. I thought the Minnesota ones were fine this past Winter I liked, Classic. I like this I Winter those. Classic was very good, both of them. Uh, yeah, I thought St. Louis, Minnesota was pretty good. But other than that, I don't know. I like the Bolts ones, the Smashville ones. I... Uh, dare I say tacky dare I say tacky I don't know if I'm allowed to say it no offense peace and love it's my opinion but I yeah you're allowed to make fun of people it's okay (laughs) I'm gonna tell it like it is the bolts ones they're all right I can I kind of like it I think it's a sharp look it works for what you're trying to go for something a little different the Nashville ones all right as you know I teach middle schoolers math I don't want to think about the conversations I have if they walk in with these jerseys. And oh, why? Why even make it a slogan like that? Why? Why not just put Nashville on the front? I'm much preferred with Nashville on the front, but it's of all the point. jerseys I have seen, it's a great point. Stay <laughs> yeah. away from excellent point. The Wearing these in public, the slogans never work, and this one definitely doesn't work. At least make it something kind of clever. This one just seems like you sold out and went with something that that rhymed. <laughs> I wonder if Vegas didn't have a team, if they would go with uh, Nash Vegas, which is kind of like they're also like nicknamed like Nash Vegas. Ah. It's kind of like a, a thing. So I wonder if they would go with that. The thing also that's annoying about these Predators jerseys is their jerseys when they were the road team in the Cotton Bowl were awesome. There were those like white ones with the, ye- with the yellow and blue script that mm-hmm. just said National Predators. Those were good ones too, which makes it 
uh, is extremely annoying as well. But Nashville's such a cool city. I think that they they did an awesome job with the Stanley Cup final there. They made the Stanley Cup final their own. They had all the country singers singing True. the national anthem. I think they're going to do a great job in terms of the game presentation, uh, what's in control of the organization and the city. I think there's going to be fantastic what's in control of the league. Smashville was terrible. True. And also special this weekend, they're retiring Pecorino's jersey That's number. That's right. On Thursday, they're yes. retiring Pecorino's jersey number, which means they will lose to whomever they're playing because yeah, it's the bad. curse. Uh, the Rangers had that happen with the Wild earlier in the year in Lundqvist jersey. But yes, that's a good point. They're retiring Pecorine's number. They've also got the retired numbers down to a pack because they have had one jer- one player in franchise history who deserves a jersey retirement, and his jersey is retired. That's it. That's and that's that. Do. One and done. Um, they'll probably retire Shea Weber's number too, deservedly so. But that's a that's a different conversation. I, I think that these jerseys are bad, but the game should be fun. And what I like about this game. What I like about this choice is that it's different, and it's fun, and it's new, and it's bringing hockey to a city where it does not currently, or it does now, but the idea to bring Nashville a team, and then Nashville eventually getting to the Stanley Cup Final, and it's bringing people to the game that did not have the game originally. Um, You know, you look if you like watch if you are, follow a country musician or watch a country concert, a lot of them have Preds gear. Like a lot of them are legitimate Preds fans. And yes, it's a niche genre of music as well. But this is a niche sport that there's not a lot of overlap between those two things. So we should try to lean into it. I think they're doing a great job with Nashville. Back to Fenway Park, Bruins for the third time. I think is terrible, and and I've made my my opinion known on that. Oh, I think. Man. But we can have more fun, Colin. I know Fenway <laughs> is good, but we can have... And Fenway was great the first time, but I think we can have more fun. Gillette. Uh, Let's call it even. Uh, we already did one at Gillette, too. <laughs> Let's do another one. Uh, four. They're going to have four. Uh, the Bruins... Yeah, the Bruins are an iconic logo, and an iconic team, uh, original six team. And if every five years you want to do an original six matchup, which this isn't even that, but an original, I'm fine with that. But you gotta lean into this Colorado Vegas on Lake Tahoe, Nashville Tampa in Jan- in February when it's mm-hmm. warm out and they're a- still able to make the ice with Dodger Stadium with the beach volleyball. Right. You gotta lean into that. Otherwise, we're just going around in circles. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, for a sport that's trying to grow, you kind of have to branch out to new markets. I mean, I'll admit it. Boston's a great city. Love it to death. They're always gonna love hockey. Yeah. That's never gonna change. Take it somewhere where the market's fresh. I mean. Maybe not a completely new idea, something that I've kicked around in my mind. Lambeau Field. Lambeau's great. great I love that idea. idea. I believe it would be Chicago and maybe like Detroit. Chicago, although it's always Chicago, Detroit. I don't want to do Chicago, Detroit again. Mm. uh, Winnipeg, maybe, like somebody like that. I love that idea. Like that to me is awesome. And. And that's not like the sad, like Carolina's getting a stadium series next year, for example, which I think is great. Like, that, to me, is awesome. I don't know. I agree. No, I totally agree. I think it's about, we've talked about, and I know, like, both of, all three of us have talked about this separately, like, off-air, about how we think that the NHL needs to expand their market and how they're trying to do so. Like you said, I agree. Nashville, great idea to bring this game and to bring something that's a spectacle. It's not just a game. It's a spectacle. It's an Mm -hmm. event. It's a whole thing to a city that didn't have hockey before. I know we have hockey in New York. I know we're big on hockey in New York. I know they did it in 2014. I would love to see another Islanders. Well, they did it in 2018. 2018? Oh, Islanders Rangers? Oh, no, it was Sabres Rangers. Oh, Sabres Rangers. Oh, whatever it is, whatever year. I'm still a little mad about Would love to see another Islanders Rangers outdoor at Yankees. I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's fascinating. I don't think it would get old. The rivalry doesn't get old. 
I would honestly love, I know this is like big dreaming, would love to see like an outdoor um, like tournament almost. Okay. If they could figure out a way to swing that with the season or with multiple teams, I would love to see some kind of outdoor tournament. That way you're getting multiple fan bases. You're getting revenue from people flying in. You're getting mm-hmm. a whole spectacle. You could make it like an event, a whole weekend, which I know it already kind of is. Make it all-star weekend, but actually have teams playing hockey. I know that that would be an expense and a half. Probably cost a billion dollars. <laughs> or just do the all-star game outside. Right? right? See, that would be fascinating. They already did the uh, thing on the, like, fountain. Oh, yeah, on the fountains. Yeah. Is the, why couldn't you do it outside? I honestly think that'd be so fun to see multiple teams play outdoors because you're getting such a large audience then. And then you don't even have to really care about that team of hockey. If that's not your team, great. Maybe your team's coming to town. Boom, more money made. You go, NHL. Petition to Mayor Adams. Can we please use Central Park, to your point of your idea, hmm. for an Islanders, Rangers, Sabres, and Devils tournament? Oh, like that'd it. be fantastic. Mayor Adams, make it happen. Ma- Mayor man. Adams, make it happen. If you're I listening, like Mayor Adams, I think you're, you're one of your first things <laughs> exactly. in, in your new office. That'd right. be fantastic, especially in Central Park. They, yeah, that'd been, that idea's been kicked around since the beginning of the Winter Classic, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I would love that. Quiggs brought up as kind of a joke Islanders Rangers at the Yale Bowl, which obviously <laughs> would be, as I mentioned, my Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think it's great. And, you know, the NHL does get credit in, in this realm. There's only one, two, three, three teams, four teams. Yeah, four teams. Four teams, excuse me. Four teams who have not played in a outdoor game. It's Arizona, Carolina, Columbus, uh, and Seattle. Oh, and Florida, too. So five teams, uh, and Carolina's getting one next year, so four teams. That was my confusion there. Um, so four teams who haven't played in an outdoor game. Th- that's pretty good. It's all, it's relative, It's a relatively new thing. Um, and there's only, It's only been around for 14 years, so... And as I mentioned, Seattle's going to get one with with the, their fans, the Seahawks, the twelfth man. They're definitely getting one at that stadium eventually. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, I think I just I want something that's more interesting. I I think the college stadiums are awesome. Like when they did it at Air Force and when they did it at Notre Dame, I think that was great. Cotton Bowl was was fantastic too. Um, and I would love to the one I want, like yeah, Central Park would be great. But I would love for them to have it at West Point. Mm-hmm. Islanders, Rangers. I, whether it's Islanders, Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Devils, Rangers, whatever, the Rangers would have to be involved in some way. Yeah. I would love for them to have it at West Point because then that would complete the whole the whole circuit because they did one at Annapolis, they did one at Colorado Springs, and then they do one at West Point. I think that would be, be like completing the circle. That's my number one idea um, is to keep it in college football stadiums because I think those create awesome environments. Uh, but what are we gonna do? We're just we're we're just the people who talk about it, <laughs> um, and have to. I mean, look, for a Yankee fan, I, I I appreciate Fenway Park and I like Fenway Park and I've been to Fenway Park, but I don't know. I just I can't. I'm not excited about it. I've seen it before. I've I've watched that game. the The Canadians won, right? Or no, that was GLI. See, I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Bruins won in overtime mm-hmm. against Philadelphia. I watched the game. It happened. And it's over. So give me something new. Like I like the whole point of the Winter Classic is to get people who don't watch hockey to watch hockey. And maybe maybe something new and something exciting will help that. I don't know. This it's just my my little rant. It's something I've been upset about since like the inception of the Winter Classic is they don't do new things. But oh well. What are you gonna do? Um hopefully hopefully they uh the 'cause I think I think Carolina's gonna be a lot of fun next year. It's in Raleigh, um, 
which is the town that Carolina, the Hurricanes play in. So I think that will be a ton of fun. Uh, and hopefully they come up with some other new new fun ones. I think the Panthers hosting one will be a ton of fun. Like get that Miami because they do it in L.A. so they can Ooh. do it in the warm climates. Get the whole Miami vibe going. Um, Columbus could host one in the Horseshoe, as I mentioned with the college stadiums. You know, Arizona, they're already at a college stadium, so let's not bring that up. <laughs> um, make them host it, make them host it. <laughs> on the ASU campus. But And then as I mentioned, CenturyLink Field in Seattle is going to be incredible when mm-hmm. they eventually do that. So I don't know. That's kind of my rant. Uh, but, yeah. That's that's pretty much what I got. I don't know if anybody else has anything. Uh, oh, I do want to have Sam Pub. You mentioned it before, but where can we find this? What like when is it coming out? Tell us more information about this Fordham TV project you have us. Oh uh, wow! Thanks, Chris. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Fordham Student TV is making a comeback. It used to exist, went away during the pandemic, but now, thanks to the lovely Katie Carrado, she is a news anchor here in New York City. Fordham Student TV is coming back with a bang. Um, We should have our first segment out or our first show rather out um, after spring break. It sadly is pre-recorded due to the flooding of the news studio that occurred during the hurricane. We cannot yet produce live shows, but we will soon. Um, Myself and Will Jang, who also works for WFUV, are the two sports anchors. Um, My segment that I have done is all about the beat reporters of WFUV and their teams and their predictions for the rest of the season. Interviewed the lovely Chris and Colin and everybody else who does things. Thank you to everyone. So, yeah, you'll be able to find that on the uh, Fordham Student TV YouTube, which is coming out. We have an Instagram, which I will plug. Um, Let me pull up the username so I don't say it wrong. But... It will all be there. It'll be online. It'll be posted to social media. And you can watch Fordham's first Fordham student TV show that is coming back. I know I am really excited. It seems like it's going to be great. We're doing man on the street style interviews. We have sports. We have weather. We have news. We have a political roundtable. Lots of things. And the Instagram is Fordham underscore FSTV. So with that, that is my plug. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super cool. And everyone should tune in. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Sam. I appreciate that. Uh, Colin is at the Garden on Thursday, correct? That is correct. Big game, playing the bullies, those capitals. Should be a good one. I am back at UBS on March 3rd, so I will talk to you before then. Sam? Um, I am not back with the Devils until, I believe, the 26th or the 28th. But then we will be back in the Prudential Center. I'm pumped. First, they go to Pittsburgh, though, to play them. Last time they played Pittsburgh, they did lose uh, in Jersey. So hopefully this time doesn't go the same way. But you know what? We'll see. But then they're back. So I'm excited to have them back in Jersey. All righty. Fantastic. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week for Samantha. Why am I think? Oh, there we go. For Samantha Bohr and Colin Lochran. I'm Chris Hennessy. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>